Welcome to the Culture Builders podcast channel, looking at how individual and team performance builds strong cultures. Hosted by Jane Sparrow and Chris Preston. You are listening to a deep dive episode. Hello, I'm Jane Sparrow, founder and author at The Culture Builders and Tuddle. And we have with us today a very special guest to discuss a topic that many of us are talking about daily, financial well-being. And so I'm thrilled to welcome Emma Waller, who is a financial well-being expert. She'll tell you a little about herself in a moment. And we're going to be quizzing her for her top tips around financial well-being and understanding a little bit more about what we can all be doing for ourselves and for one another to help us to be able to adopt new habits as well as perhaps ride the storm ahead. So Emma, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, you're so welcome, Jane, and it's great to speak to you, and particularly this week as well, because it's Talk Money Week, and it's such a big event in our calendar, and what better way to start the week than talking to all of you over there around our financial well-being. So thank you so much for inviting me today. Thank you, Emma. And so we are going to talk money. That's exactly what we're going to do. Just tell us a little bit about yourself, though, because you've got a fascinating story, and I, I know people would love to hear it. Yes, of course. So um, for around 20 years, I was a teacher, um, taught across many different schools in the Northwest region. And my subject is business. Um, it's finance and accountancy in particular. And with that sort of background in mind, when that, that day came where I decided to take redundancy from, from, from teaching, I made the decision to really, I wanted to continue educating people around accountancy, around money. And I started consulting with a young people's charity, going into schools, talking to young people, children all around how to be better with their money, things that they should be thinking about at age appropriate times or life events when those things occur and really informing young people about the kind of things that they can be thinking about and talking to their parents or whoever brings them up at home, what the kind of things that they can be talking about. And as I was delivering this, many of the teachers themselves were really like, can you tell me a bit more about mortgages? Or I'm not sure if we've got enough savings. So it became apparent quite early on in in that sort of journey, that many of the adults who I was talking to as well were also struggling. And this was about seven years ago. So this isn't really new. So at at the time, we were called financial capability consultants, whereas that that as the language has changed over time, our, our roles have sort of been a little bit more redefined as sort of this well-being expert. So yes, that's that's how I started. And from that, I was given the opportunity to then be a co-author of the Martin Lewis textbook that went into all schools. It's called Your Money Matters. And every school, every state school, they have them free. They have multiple copies so that young people can pick up tools, tricks along the way as well. So, again, that led to so much PR, really, for for myself and for the organisation. And I I then went ahead and established Money Minded. And that is my financial wellbeing consultancy. 
Uh, so I work now with organizations, all shapes and sizes, who want to really commit to supporting their people in terms of their financial well-being. So talking to uh, their employees around this. I also work with many other charities in the third sector. So service users, uh, people who work with maybe people who are struggling a little bit with their money and, and guiding them as to the best type of service that they can provide as well. So what that's meant is that I now go out there, I deliver workshops, webinars, I write content for well-being apps and blogs, providing insights as well to many national uh, UK high street banks. Um, I'm a firm believer that, that knowing what works in well-being and having that sort of empirical evidence is vital to, to, um, to what works in, in this kind of uh, market. But mostly we, we look at training organisations, particularly if you've got well-being champions in the workplace. So we'll go in and we'll share with those people that are expertise, so how to talk about money, what works in well-being, um, how we can support everybody really in terms of their financial well-being. So as you'd imagine, very, very busy at the moment. Lots of, of work going on out there in this market to really ensure that people are talking about money and talking about it well as well. And therefore, what an amazing point to be talking about today, because talking money with that background, Emma, really, really is the name of, of the conversation. And as you say, you're providing content, you very kindly provide content to us for our Tuddle app and also our Bank of Me programs. But many of our clients are saying to us at the moment, we need help for our people to navigate the financial storm and that there may well be tough months ahead and we want to do whatever we can. And The other thing that we're really noticing is that, that the whole area of financial well-being is affecting people's emotions. And, you know, as, as you know, we do a lot around helping people to manage emotions in, in the workplace and their wider lives. And I was having a conversation with one of our CEOs last week and, and they said, you know, we're really noticing it now that people are coming in in an emotional state that is different to the past. And when you try and tease out why, a lot of it is rooted in worries about money and how people are going to pay for some of the basics in life. And it is therefore affecting performance and it's affecting culture. Um, and so, you know, it's it's something we all need to be very mindful of, regardless of, of how it's impacting us. So, Let's move into some tips and advice because I'd love to know from from all of your um, all of your bank of advice. What, what are the key tips and advice you'd give to keep well financially, and and why are you passionate about this whole area, Emma? As well, yeah, of course. And I'll start with that bit because I think it sort of does explain what the kind of work and where we're moving into. For me, it's all about education first of all because. The more we know about how our money works and the kind of options that are out there, then actually what we can do is we can make more informed financial decisions. So it's all around knowing what help is out there. And hopefully we're going to come on and talk about that in a little bit later. But, but it's, it's understanding where that help is understanding what we can do with that information and how it can best support ourselves, our family, the wider community as well. So it's all for me around being able to make better and more informed decisions, but also 
in order to do that, in order to, to make good decisions, we also need to take action. And actually, that's often the bit that we don't do well. We, we, can, we can sit in training and we can take on board all the skills, all the suggestions, all the tips, the hints. But unless we do something with it, then we're not going to move on. We're not going to make improvements. So again, what makes me passionate is really encouraging people to establish positive, long-lasting, good money habits. And we can only do that if people can take action. And if they then take action, what that usually leads to is people feel a little bit more confident around the money decisions they're making, and also they're in control as much as they can be. And being in control sort of then leads into this sort of element that you, you've already mentioned there. Because at the moment, a lot of us feel out of control at what's happening. And, and, and that's because where we are today, there's so much instability. We don't know what's around the corner. A couple of years ago, obviously, when the pandemic hit, it had a big impact on our finances then. But for many of us, there were those national protections in place. The government provided uh, programs to help most people. But also now where we're seeing that, that increase in prices, we're seeing inflation rise, we're seeing our utility bills increase substantially. And we're all seeing that, we're all seeing that sort of economic instability. That's therefore having a big impact and it's giving us a lot of fear. And, and what we tend to do with money when we fear making decisions is we do nothing because inaction is easier. And if we don't do anything, nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to get any better. But if we can make some small habits and that we're consistent with them and we know what we're doing, we're nudging people in some in that right direction. It means that slowly we can make these good changes, that they, they stick and, and that we can, to some extent, remain in control. And if that's the case, you know, we're, we're then improving our knowledge, we're developing our skills and it leads to better choices that we have. And, and I think the problem at the moment is that that fear because we don't know what the full impact of this is going to be. Each time we turn that news on, something else has happened. So whether those mortgage rates are increasing, interest rates going up, it's something that we actually didn't predict maybe even a month ago. So again, these things are here to ensure really that what we do in the workplace, we're really helping employees engage with this kind of content, but also one thing for me that's really, really important is that we're just careful of the language as well, because we hear all these sensationalist statements. We're in crisis. Money systems are failing. The economy's not working. And because we've got that 24-hour news cycle that we absorb, again, it's not doing us, us well. And, and I think sometimes we just need to maybe switch that, that, that volume down a little bit. We know what's happening. We pay a bit of attention but we do things that are within our control and we start to make some good decisions then. Yeah, and you're so right. I mean, as anyone that knows us listening will will absolutely remember, all of the work we do comes down to creating the right habits for behaviour change, mindset change in, in everything. And so absolutely hear you on the need to do that with our finances, but also that whole point around control and the link with fear, because 
if we can do what is within our control to minimise that noise, as you say, not turn it off completely because we want to know what's going on, but actually manage our emotional response to it better, then actually I think we're much more likely to take the action you talk about because we'll be a little calmer and so we can adopt the right habits rather than being in the fear or what we call in the red and therefore not making those those decisions. But I mean, you talk there about cost of living and about inflation and so on, but what are the types of pressures that people that you're working with right now are talking about? The pressures, um, obviously, it's around economic instability. As you say, it's around that's beyond control. There's also a lot of concern and worry around um, future wealth. So people who have pensions, people who have investments, they may be seeing at the moment uh, that they are really volatile and that actually some pension schemes, some pension pots are being impacted as a result of that economic instability. And, and really what people are worried about is, are, are, are those products safe? And again, we know with things like pensions and investments, we cannot take that short term view. We have to look long term. And when we look long term, usually a minimum of five to 10 years, then we usually see that improvement, that trajectory, that upward movement. But again, when we're so in these issues, we can't often see the wood for the trees. And we actually don't have that ability to look long term because we're being impacted by what's happening in the here and now. So lots of people worried about pensions, investments. One thing I would say is if you are concerned about that pension part or you have investments and you're not really sure how they're performing, speak to the, um, your, if you have a financial advisor, they're your first port of call. Speak to your HR, whoever manages your pensions. Talk to them about that that pension pot just to make sure that everything is on track. Because one thing that we don't want to happen is that when you come to that retirement age and, and you're looking at that pot, you're thinking, I actually thought it would be more than that. I'm not going to be able to have that lifestyle I want. The more action we take now helps us protect those long-term future wells that we, we really need um, and to be thinking about. So I guess the message is don't also, just be looking short term, really have a look at that long term future too. And of course, as you mentioned, lots of people talking to me around that emotional uh, and the links between mental health and money, which is so important. Again, if you've got staff perhaps who have existing mental health concerns or things like who are neurodiverse or have a disability, then obviously then being able to manage their money comes with additional pressures. And, and, and again, people who perhaps who have maybe, who maybe have got high anxiety or are slightly overwhelmed with things that are just going on at the moment, their problems, their worries may be slightly exacerbated by the financial issues at the moment. So again, it's just making sure that we're talking to all these different groups and actually there's no shame, there's no guilt associated. Whilst we can't say we're all in this together, but just to be reassured that there's many of us feeling this way and that actually over time, if we can take those small actions and do something uh, that's going to help us move into that those good habits, then we can make some really solid changes. And actually, there are still lots of things that, that we can be doing too. 
And I, I think what you're just saying there, Emma, as well, really strikes a chord with me about not being sort of not being embarrassed almost about talking about it and actually you know, having the confidence and, and knowledge that we're all in our own ways, whoever we are, being affected by this. And I wonder whether there's something in that about maybe becoming even more vocal about just sharing what we are doing. You know, if, if we're talking to a, a colleague or a friend, then talking actively about the, the habits we have adopted, because that then helps to share some of the ideas. But also by sharing it, maybe we hold ourselves a bit more accountable to, to keeping those exactly. habits going. Yeah, yeah. Some re- organisations who I do work with, as a result of the training that we do, they, they sort of integrated things like Friday finance. So at lunch on a Friday, everyone gets together. And it might be that you just suggest, oh, I, I opened a new savings account and I'm getting this this um, interest rate. Has anyone got the same or can anyone share something they've done this week? So, Jane, it doesn't have to be a really formal setting. It can be something that the internal comms of an organisation can set up or just to start that raising awareness within organisations of the kind of things we can be discussing can be really, really helpful. And that's that's also not just for in that workplace, but also people can then take that home. Because one thing that we also know is that uh, we know money can be one of the biggest uh, factors that impacts on relationship breakdown as well. So taking some really good strategies home and talking to our families, talking to our partners, even talking to our children, obviously age appropriately, is always really good because we do not learn these things at school. Most people pick their financial well-being up from the home. So if we're having those good conversations, and again, it doesn't have to take long, it can be something that's happening in the world around us when we're out and about shopping or that we can just say, have you, have you identified, look at the, the price changes and, and having those conversations with our young people, it ju- just really helps us build those really good, effective habits that take us into adulthood as well. Yeah, great tip. And you know, being able to do that, as you say, in the appropriate way with the people around us is, is something we can all do more of, I'm sure. Now, you mentioned long term just now. I'm going to come back to more tips in a moment. But but I did just want to ask you, one of the, the terms we hear a lot about is financial sustainability, which when I hear that, that to me says that's about the long term. But But just clarify for us, what does it mean to you, that term? Yes, sustainable finance, it it really to me means making choices about our spending and also our investing in things that can create a positive impact on the environment and on society as well. So we live in this world where, um, again, I talk to people every day about their, their spending habits and some people just say to me, oh, I just love buying stuff accumulating all these things around us. And whilst for that five minutes, we might get that really big dopamine hit that we get when, you know, we're, we're, we're choosing these things that we want to buy or or often we buy things because we're a little bit bored. Or, or So what we want to encourage people to do is become a little bit more mindful about their spending and, and really identifying, can we reduce our consumption? Do we really need all these things around us? Are are they providing us value as well? Because sometimes in terms of sustainability, actually spending a little bit more on stuff that's going to last 
it's, it's, it's actually better value for our pockets and it's actually better because we don't need to be replacing things as quickly. Um, so again, it's all around looking at our consumption, looking at stuff we buy. And I'm not saying don't buy anything. And I'm not saying don't treat ourselves because actually treating ourselves is so important. Lots of us, in fact, most of us, if not all of us work really hard. And actually being able to treat ourselves, our family, at the end of the month or the end of the week is really, really important to our financial well-being. But it's only important, A, if we've, we've, we've put that money aside and actually we may, might have saved for that, or, or actually we've got it in our budget and therefore if, we're, if, if it's in budget, we don't feel that guilt and shame when we're spending on the things that we want. So completely agree with the fact that we should be enjoying our money if we can. And I know that's not the case for everybody, but if we can um, have those treats, have those rewards uh, for ourselves, then it's really important. But it's not just around buying stuff. It's about that those experiences and they don't actually have to cost anything. Uh, there's so many great sites out there at the moment, ways to spend, ways to engage with them. walking, being out and about, that fresher, that physical well-being as well. It's so important. So it doesn't always have to cost money. It doesn't have to cost us anything. It, it's about that experience and, and who you're with as well. And also being sustainable. It's also thinking about what we donate. Um, do we have a, our own? Do, do we give to charity? Because some of us get that really great sense of well-being from giving. And again, it's looking at that as well. Can we swap and sell? Do we need to keep buying things? Or can actually we get rid of the stuff that we no longer want? So what, what our trash might be someone else's treasure. So thinking about those places where we can offload some of that, that stuff so we can actually get a bit of money back in. Uh, and again, a great way to improve possibly some of our income streams using some of those um, sites that we, we recognize and we see online every day. And actually that too can help us with that overwhelming or that over, overarching sense of well-being. But also sustainability is not just about things, it's about time as well. So being sustainable is all about being able to, in my point of view, is about buying time because that is our most limited resource of all. And, and for that, I mean, um, thinking about taking on some help in the home, um, which meet, which can free up time to do other things again, if it's in budget. But it's things like supporting local businesses as well, supporting local enterprises, because that keeps the money local in that local economy. It lowers our carbon footprint. Looking at, you know, are we using B Corps as well? B Corp enterprises have always got that um, environmental consideration or they've got an ethical stance on social responsibility. So again, take a look at that kind of thing. Again, lots of organisations being part of that B Corp community. And I guess finally as well, it's about looking at if we have investments, we now have that green option too. So really thinking about our ethical investments, our environmental investments. And again, if, you, if that's something that you're, you're looking into, again, talk to you to an advisor who can, who can really recommend and suggest those uh, green investments um, and those sustainable investments, again, that we might be more uh, looking towards. 
great advice in there. There's lots I feel that we could all do more with in what you've just said. And it's interesting, we work with a lot of brands like Selfridges and Ovo Energy and others who are very much around sustainability. And I look and, and hear at some of the messages that you've just given there, and they really ring true to some of the conversations we, we've been having with many of our clients. But also just some practical things that you've mentioned there, things like I, I certainly have been a lot more aware over the last few months from an environmental perspective of food waste and making sure that we use everything that we buy in our kitchen cupboards and our fridge because it's just too easy to to buy stuff and then it go in the bin and and for an environmental as well now as a financial position that's something I personally have really worked on and noticed a huge difference actually as a result yeah yeah and and again it's it's being we can all do these things but it's about planning and having the time to really think about these things and what what impacts can can we have as a society as a consumer to really make those those good choices because you know a lot of these resources are not finite and i think that's become apparent recently and i think some of the things we hear around utility consumption and reduction of, of utility or reduction of energy consumption is really brought a lot of these things to light so there's some fantastic guidance on the uh, website so um, again energy action websites off gem have got some really good tips online about reducing energy consumption things that we can be doing and and a difference that we can make because get asked a lot of these questions recently just like you're you're suggesting there and and some people saying well what's the point of this if you know what difference can i make but you know what by all of us making that small difference we're all making it's all for the greater good and i think even if us doing making one thing that's going to be different whether that's food waste or turning the lights off at the end of the day or not putting things on standby just making small changes to the way in which we we become more aware and sustainable can can really have some great impact on on our uh, society and on the environment too. I agree. And we've got to have some good come out of the financial issues, haven't we? So let's get as much good for the environment as we possibly can. And your your tip there around also, you know, if you've, we've got things maybe we don't use, then either gifting them or, or reselling them, I think it's really important. And in fact, a friend of mine has, has lost her formal job recently and has set up a little business herself, which is selling things for other people that they found in their wardrobes or they don't really need that much anymore and split the profit. 50-50 and she was telling me she is stunned at how well that is going and so pleased because she did it while she was looking for another job but she feels she's having a real impact on people's financial well-being and also the planet so lots we can think about there now just give us a couple more tips from the wonderful um, the wonderful advice of Emma what other things could we be thinking about doing for our financial well-being right now Yes, uh, there's, there's so much. I mean, where can we start? And, and I guess the first thing is, in the past, before pandemic, we used to say, do you know what, there's, some, there's probably some bills that you can really look at where you can make some really great big savings. Sadly, that's not the case anymore. And what we're doing at the moment is we're really looking at shaving around the edges. There's not one big thing now that's going to make a big difference to our financial well-being. But the first thing that you can do today is what I want people to do out there is, is do this, is do your own financial review. 
So I want you to grab all those bills, get on your banking apps, take a look, because it might be a while since you checked what's coming in and going out of your bank accounts. But what I want you to do is do a review. And what I mean by that is, is gather information about your regular income. How much have you got coming in? You might want to do this as, as a household as well. So as we're in Talk Money Week, think of November as you're going to get, you're going to go some extent to looking at your money for this month so that, and as we know, we're approaching a quite an expensive time of year where we've got those big annual festivals, uh, we've got Christmas around the corner. So again, it's about understanding what we've got coming in, but also where is all that money going? So first, first tool, first trick you're going to, you're going to do is a financial review. You're going to update your budget. Um, and if you don't have a budget, there are some fantastic budget planners out there on the market at the moment. Um, lots of people who I talk to say, Oh, I'm rubbish at budgeting. It never works out what I thought it would. Or actually, I've always got less than it says. Um, so I give up. And actually, often the problem is, is because we don't include absolutely everything or we don't spend our time monitoring and tracking it. And, and that's the key to budgeting. It's keeping on top of it. It's knowing where that money is being spent and actually then going, whoa, I didn't realize I'd spent X amount in for my, my coffee or I didn't realize how much I was spending on memberships or different things. And that, that budget will give us that really great overview and some really great places to look at. So if you struggle or you think, oh, do you know what? I'm, I'm not really good at these kind of things. There are some fantastic online planners. Money Helper is an amazing website. And this is where we get lots of our guidance from. It's a money guidance website. It's funded by all the UK banks. It's completely independent. And it's also supported by the government as well. And it's really fantastic money guidance. And they've got a great budget planner on their site. What it does is you put them, it asks you the questions. You don't have to link it to any bank accounts. Uh, all you have to do is tell it the numbers. So it'll ask you, okay, What's your regular income? What's your cost of your mortgage or your rent? And it'll talk you through. And all you do is you input the numbers. And then at the end, it creates this fantastic budget that you can work with. And, and actually, what it also does is because thousands of people use this, it starts to identify prices that it might consider a high for your local area. So it might say, actually, Take a look at your broadband costs because where you live, we think you could get some better deals. Um, so it'll start to give some guidance, some more personalized guidance about things that you can use. There's also lots of commercial products out there. Moneybox, Plum. We've got Emma is another money app. A great name for a, a financial well-being spending app. I'm guessing it's um, not yours. <laughs> it's not me. No, no, no. If only it'd be lovely if it was, but it isn't. So again, it, it's all around that finding processes that work for you. So first of all, update that budget, start tracking it. And also what people also say to me is, oh, I've just not got time to do this, Emma. It's too much. Once you do it, it might take you a couple of hours. But once you be, it becomes a good habit, rather than doom scrolling Twitter on a Sunday night, spend 10 minutes just checking that budget. Is everything in place? 
does that marry up to what's happening in the bank accounts? And again, just that awareness and that looking at that budget starts to then think, well, actually, it does look like I'm spending more on X rather than Y. So it gives us those fantastic insights. And then what we can do is we can start to really look at, okay, do you, is that budget sustainable? So if we're constantly spending more than we're bringing in, it's going to start to raise some alarm bells then. And it's like, you know, we then may start to think, do I need some more support? Do I need debt help? What can I do to improve this current situation? Because whilst our banking apps are great, they don't really give us that big picture. But one thing I would say about banking apps is many of the high street banks and the new challenger banks have got so much better at helping us with, the, with these things. And actually, many of the banks now provide tools in app to help you budgeting as well. So do that budget, update it. If it's been a while, dust it down, get it back on screen, make those changes and really think about things that you want to keep pay paying for, things that you think, do you know what, I could probably change that and get a better deal or actually do you know what? I think I'm just going to cancel that because I'm getting no value for money at it. At I the think moment. that point, Emma, as well around cancelling, it might even be that we, if, if it feels too big a deal to cancel, you postpone or you say postpone. for three months, I'm not going to do this. Yeah. And that might feel like a more palatable, emotional decision for some people exactly. than cancelling completely. Right. Um, and yeah. so that might be one one thing to think about. Yeah. And, and also with regards to that, Again, in my conversations, I speak to people who perhaps have, they have Netflix, Amazon Prime, Now TV. We have, we have maybe about seven or eight different paid diff, uh, TV channel packages that they're paying. And don't get me started about uh, Skype and the cost of, of, of that per month. But um, one thing that we're guiding people to do now is say, actually, do you need all seven of them? Why not for, for autumn or winter? Choose two or three of them. And just suspend the other ones for now, or just just watch Netflix and, and Amazon for winter, and then in it spring we're going to move to Disney TV and now. So you're getting to watch all of those different channels that you want, but not all at the same time. Uh, so we're sort of spreading those costs and just having a bit more of a plan. So rather than just as you say, just cancelling it and it feeling quite final. But actually, I'm just going to suspend them for now, but I can come back to them if I really want them or really miss them. Great advice. What about if you're leading a team, Emma? Let's let's end on this final question around I'm a leader of a team and I'm aware that I want to help my colleagues. I want to help them to manage or to be more aware of their financial well-being. You've mentioned about you know bringing the conversation and talking money into sort of team conversations. But what other advice would you give to leaders? Yes, um, quite interesting. And it might be something that the leaders really take a look at. There was a report issued last last week from Deloitte and it was all around feelings that leaders have and how different they can be to the feelings and emotions, particularly around money, that their employees or their teams might have. And the conclusion was, to some extent, that often leadership, sometimes underestimates how much perhaps employees are struggling financially. Um, and in fact, one statistic that I, I noted down that's probably worth sharing is that when they asked around um, how many, what percentage of leaders thought that their staff were struggling, 
40% of leaders said, yeah, they thought that many of their staff were struggling financially. And then they asked their employees the same, and it was actually 81%. So there is a little bit of disconnect sometimes um, that perhaps if, if well-being strategies hasn't been perhaps top of your, uh, your, your, your values at the moment or hasn't been isn't a, a key in your long-term strategy that you can sort of see that little bit of disconnect between leadership and between employees too. So one thing that, first of all, is that, again, when we work with, with the, our clients, it's, it's all around, first of all, is finance part of your well-being strategy? Um, and, and where does that sit? And, and having one-off events are great for raising awareness. So Talking to people about pensions, talking to people around um, budgeting or how to save and invest better. They are fantastic as one-off events. But, and this comes back to, I guess, my sort of education background, is that if we are to have a long-term impact with some of these things, these things have to be continuous. They have to be embedded into our overall, our, our overarching strategic direction for our organization too so first thing go back to that strategy have you got financial well-being in there and what type of um, training what type of um, events what type of comms are, are we using to really help this and in and, and so we embed it into the things that it just becomes natural as part of our day-to-day uh, -day organization so first of all, take a look at that strategy. Talk to the experts. We can help with all these things. We can help you determine what's going to work. But also, again, find out how your people are thinking. And you, you mentioned it earlier. I talked to lots of leaders where they're worried about productivity, absenteeism, presenteeism as well, because people are taking time off to think about their finances or some people perhaps when they're on short-term contracts perhaps not going into or, or, or taking time off because they, they don't have the finances to pay to get into work or they don't have the bus fare available um, so we're seeing lots of impact in terms of productivity in different ways and again finding out and talking to your people really good practice how are they feeling about their money and then finally, if you do have well-being champions in the workplace, really think about um, how you can train them in financial guidance skills. And this is, this is where a lot of my work is, is ending up at the moment. So people coming to us and saying, we've got our well-being champions in place um, and our mentors. They're fine with things like mental health strategies because we've got the mental health, first aid qualifications, lots of other qualifications around that element too. Lots of people fully aware of um, physical and social factors in terms of uh, well-being, but actually we don't know enough at the moment about financial support that we can offer our staff. And again, this is where we're fitting in or slotting in and, and, and we're training organisations and their teams in money guidance. So if you've got well-being champions, they can then signpost refer they can help people with their budgeting and, and really push them to the experts so we're seeing lots of movement in that sort of direction so there's, there's plenty really that uh, leaders can do to really ensure that financial well-being is really embedded within that sort of overarching well-being strategy too.
Yeah, and that is so critical, I feel, that this is something like any element of well-being. And as you know, we have six measures that we often look at in our Bank of Me work and, and Tuttle work. And actually what we say is financial well-being goes through all of them because it affects motivation, it fe- affects inclusion, emotions, focus, our physical self and our ability to grow. So it absolutely needs to be weaved through everything. Emma, I feel like I could spend another hour with you and every. Everybody would get masses of value, but I am going to pause us for today there. It's been fantastic talking to you, such richness in what you're talking about, but also some real practical things that I'm going to take away and go and start doing right now. So thank you for joining us and for talking money in this very important week. And hopefully we can get you on again soon. I'd be delighted to. And thank you for inviting me on today, Jane. Much appreciated. Thank you. Thanks, Emma. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye now. Thank you for listening. Continue the journey at www.theculturebuilders.com.